Hello, I'm Alex Crow. And I'm Steve Evans. Welcome to Talk of the Times. There may be light at the end of the tunnel. Think of that. Vaccination is on the way. It's clear that vaccination passports are being considered and they should make flying and going to crowded sports events, that kind of thing, possible. We hope so. So today we've got two of our experts, Sally White and Elliot Williams, on the show to talk about vaccine passports and how we are going to return to the new normal everybody's talking about. Elliot, what is a vaccine passport? So the idea behind the vaccine passport is fairly straightforward. Once you've been vaccinated, you can get proof, whether that be a physical document or something on your smartphone that you can show and prove that you've had the one of the COVID-19 vaccines. So the federal government is currently considering a proposal to roll it out through the, the MyGov or via Medicare, which are uh, platforms that people are already familiar with, so that you know it's something that you could easily just pull up on your phone and show to get you onto an international flight or even a domestic flight. And we know that Qantas is likely going to mandate that anyone boarding their flights, whether that be in Australia or overseas, to come to Australia will need to show a vaccine passport of some sort. So that seems to be the major use being considered at the moment, but potentially they could also be used to gain easier access to hospitals or nursing homes, um, just for that added bit of security. And then even uh, New South Wales uh, Premier Gladys Berejiklian has, has uh, mentioned that uh, it may even be necessary to show them at, at venues such as restaurants, pubs, etc., to gain access to those uh, eventually. I suppose there are kind of um, privacy issues I've downloaded the app now for clocking into restaurants and that kind of thing, but I do like—I don't like the idea of giving information to governments. But maybe with these passports, we're going to have to do it. I was going to say part of the the privacy thing that I, I pick up on is that not the the reason why it's really important for people who can get vaccinated to get vaccinated is that not everyone can get vaccinated. There are some people for various medical issues that they can't get vaccinated and they might be in a really awkward position where they turn up to a restaurant or a flight and they say, where's your vaccination passport? And they say, sorry, I'm not vaccinated. And they have to then disclose a personal medical issue. You might be going out to a restaurant with friends and you know, if you're a woman of a certain age, you might subtly be not drinking and they might not pick up on anything. And then they're like, oh, where's your vaccine passport? And you might say, oh, well, I'm not vaccinated. I'm pregnant. That's a pretty personal thing. But it would be a pity if something which is going to be so helpful to get us returning to normal life were discarded or not proceeded with just because of the qualms of a small number of people. Yeah, I I think some people won't get the vaccine because they're told not to by their doctors, not because they have unreasonable qualms. The issue about what having evidence of vaccination is compulsory for, I think, needs some extra thought. But there are existing industries and existing jobs and situations where people already have to show the evidence that they have been vaccinated against the flu. Like, for example, working in aged care, it is now compulsory to be vaccinated against the flu. So we do have a precedent for this. It's just that we haven't needed to do it for the population of 26 million people before. And you can't get some government benefits 
if you're a mother or a father, if you don't get your kid vaccinated against measles or whatever? Yes, part of the incentives towards making sure that children are vaccinated is, uh, which it's referred to as no jab, no play, it's part of those incentives is to say that people can't get some payments or they are not ac- they are not able to access childcare and, and preschool and things like that. Elliot, is this vaccine passport already happening overseas? Yeah, so look, it's definitely happening overseas already. Other countries are ahead of us in terms of rolling out the vaccine, so they're at those progress stages. There's some currently some uh, work being done by the Australian government to try and create reciprocal vaccine passports so that other countries can recognise ours and we can recognise theirs for, for travelling purposes. So police in Europe have been cracking down on um, forgeries that have been taking place, uh, not necessarily on, on vaccine passports, but for certificates that have proven that someone has tested negative to the virus that, uh, that they've used to gain entry to certain establishments or to travel, etc. That's already proving to be a concern overseas. And you can imagine why some, a document such as this, if it is required to gain access to all sorts of things, could become quite a hot commodity. The government has committed to the term of state-of-the-art cyber security uh, to go along with the rollout of these passports. There's definitely some overhanging concerns there about what the safety aspects of those might be. You talked about that light at the end of the tunnel, Steve, and and we talked about this idea that we've heard a lot about the new normal. Over the last couple of days from our politicians and our senior health authorities and other experts, we've heard a little bit around what this new normal might look like. And it isn't necessarily a world with no COVID-19 or no coronavirus. And I think that's going to be something that for some people might be a little bit difficult to deal with because mentally they've been looking forward to this world of no COVID-19. But there has been signals that we need to prepare for COVID-19 to become somewhat like the flu in the sense that when everyone is vaccinated, it could be moving around the community that in the same way that you know flu and common colds exist once everyone is vaccinated coronavirus could still exist there will be cases in the community but because we have vaccinations it won't be the kind of panic stations that we are at at the moment because we're so close to eradication here in Australia those cases will still exist and we will sort of live with the virus in a different way to what we have done because really in Australia because our suppression strategy was so successful and we ended up almost at eradication we never have lived with the virus in the same way that other countries around the world have. That's a really good point by Sally because people do assume that vaccines or these vaccine passports could mean saying goodbye to hotel quarantine, to restrictions on numbers in venues, all those sorts of things. And the fact of the matter is that it very likely won't signal that because we still just don't have enough information to know whether these vaccines do stop the transmission of the virus. There seems to be good evidence that it does stop people getting very, very sick or even dying, and that's fantastic. But if you could still transmit the virus and are going to interact with people that haven't been vaccinated, well, that's still going to pose a risk and means that we aren't in a position yet to be getting rid of those other measures like quarantine and 
and uh, restrictions and probably won't be for quite some time. So at the moment, we don't have evidence of any of the vaccines around the world. And there are more that have been approved in other countries uh, that we don't talk about here, like the Russian one, like the Chinese one. There's no evidence that they prevent transmission. And that's not because they don't prevent transmission. It's because they haven't been around long enough for us to get that evidence in a sense that scientists are happy with. So in the future, we may get that evidence. Hopefully, we get to a point where we have enough people that are vaccinated and we have enough evidence. And so that does allow international travel to go at a rate that's closer to what we had in the past. But that is a long way off. Like, I wouldn't be suggesting to anyone to book an international holiday for, like, November 2021. You want to wait longer than that. But let's not be too down. We are doing brilliantly. That list that came out of the, the best countries of dealing with it, what was it, Australia was eight. But I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the list now. New Zealand at the top. A small island. It's easy for them. And then you look at the other countries, Vietnam, Taiwan, Thailand, Cyprus, small island, easy for them. Or tough governments, small countries or tough governments, or small countries and tough governments. We are a big country in both senses. And, you know, we're doing better than anybody pretty well. We have done and we continue to do really well. There was a really interesting talk at the National Press Club this week and one of the people that spoke, Mary Louise McClaws, who's an epidemiologist that lots of people will have seen in the paper or quite or on the television, she had this amazing graph where she talked about how countries with higher GDP, generally countries that are more developed, you would expect that they would do a better job. And she actually graphed countries with their GDPs and how well they had done against coronavirus. And we had done well on that marker as well. But she sort of pointed to some countries like the United States, like the UK, like quite a few um, European countries like Switzerland saying they should have done significantly better than what they have. And, And she said it was shameful that they had allowed the virus to get away in such a way that they had. Well, the Brits at the moment, you can hear my voice, I know about the Brits. The Brits have just discovered quarantine, like it's something new. They have introduced a hotel quarantine system, not for all incoming travellers, but for incoming travellers coming from places like South Africa, where there is another more transmissible strain. I have my doubts about how effective that can be when people are catching COVID from their grandchildren at Christmas time and in the street. So how is having hotel quarantine going to help? I don't know. Sally White. And Elliot Williams, thank you very much indeed. You have been listening to Talk of the Times, the Canberra Times news podcast. See you next week.